Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 81. And we're talking about a topic today that uh, actually when I sent out a survey to you guys recently, um, and please do get on the list as a subscriber because I do really like finding out with surveys what you guys want more of, less of, uh, how you want us to deliver it. Um, but something that came over and over again from the last listener survey was the um, overwhelming need to understand puberty a bit better and to understand why it's happening earlier. So uh, precocious puberty is an issue. It is on the increase, uh, but there are things that we can do, diet and lifestyle, to uh, increase our chances of it not happening quite so early in our little people, but also things that we can do to support our gorgeous little people who are experiencing signs early. And Ellen takes us through everything so clearly, generously, shares everything that's known in the science as well as everything that uh, we can do both practically and emotionally. I think we don't often think about the emotional piece in puberty, but it's to me <laughs> the top thing uh, to, to support. So it's a really great chat and I hope the parents out there who've asked for this show enjoy it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. And uh, please feel free to share this with parents. Uh, anyone who's got a little person who perhaps you know that you live low tox and you're not um, surrounding yourself with too many endocrine disruptors, so hormone disruptors uh, in your lifestyle and the products you use at home and on your body, um, uh, pesticides in food, etc. cetera, uh, but maybe you know friends who are maybe a little bit naysayer-ish or call you a hippie this could well be the episode that helps them start to see that from uh, a doctor's perspective, a scientific perspective, there are links being shown between the way our children's bodies develop and uh, the lives we're leading today. So in all is not lost if your child has started to experience signs and it, you do feel that it's a bit early. We also talk about what the actual ages are for puberty um, because there's so much we can do there as well. So I will hook into that chat in a little second, but I have a wonderful new supporter because it's the start of a new month, April, yay, uh, and Walida is back supporting the show this month, and that means you have an incredible 20% off with free delivery over $29.95 for all Aussies listening. Um, it excludes gift vouchers and gift backs and things like that, but it's everything else in the range on the website. And your code is uh, very simply Lotox Life, um, and the link is uh, through the show notes today if you wanted to make the most of this. Uh, and I was thinking about what I should talk about. You know, I, I always got harp on about my old favourites. Uh, whenever I, uh, whenever the team make us a generous offer and I, I share a little bit about Walida on the show, but I thought today I'd focus on something delicious that's being relaunched, which is their body oils. Um, now this was actually the very first product I fell in love with, with Walida, the Arnica body oil. And it is, it just smells like your muscles are going to feel better soon. <laughs> all I can say. And it smells so comforting, so calming. It is just delicious. And I remember my auntie gave it to me in Paris. I think it was because I had had a migraine in Italy once and I was visiting family friends who had lived in Australia once upon a time and were part of the expat community that my mum and dad were a part of as first generation Aussies. And, um, 
And I had a migraine while I was there and uh, I was 19 and she came up and she had this little body oil that was, um, that had some special tinctures and things in it and it had rosemary in it. And I just remembered feeling so calmed when she was massaging it into my neck and having this big sleep and waking up and feeling amazing. And when I got given that Arnica oil by my auntie, I think it was even on the same trip because I had raved about this delicious herbal smelling oil and that I wanted to find one for massage. Uh, she gave me that one and, um, and I was hooked ever since. And it took me years to then discover that there was this whole other range that they had, but it was my very first Lotox item. So, um, by mis- mistake, of course, I didn't really distinguish Lotox from non-Lotox at the time. Um, but now of course, certainly we do. And, uh, and it, it was gorgeous. I've since tried the rose body oil, which doesn't smell like that kind of, um, potpourri, keep your drawers fresh, granny rose. It's a really delicious, very pure, fresh rose smell. Um, and, uh, and also the birch body oil, which is wonderful for stimulating the, um, lymphatic system and reducing the appearance of cellulite, if that's an issue for you. Um, but if, for those of you who haven't come across Walida before, it is a brilliant company founded, at, um, gosh, I think it is it a, a 96 years ago. I think so. Um, and, uh, 1926. That's what, that's the, the year I was thinking of, um, by Rudolf Steiner. So, you know, the education, um, uh, philosopher and, uh, activist, uh, an amazing man. I mean, what a contribution to found an incredible brand like this and biodynamic farming and education reform and all sorts. Um, they've been going for 90 years and, um, and it's just such a gorgeous company. I know a lot of you guys use skin food and other products in the range, but the new body oils are great because they come in a little pump dispenser. So there's still a glass bottle, which I love. Um, whenever that's possible, that's always a, a, the best option. Um, and the fragrances are just gorgeous, obviously all made from natural essential oils and, um, and plant oils are extracted uh, to basically create these formulations for a variety of different reasons. And you're not going to have all those yucky things like parabens and phthalates and synthetic preservatives, synthetic fragrances that so many people are affected by. Uh, and I urge you to get a body oil. It's wonderful to also have one to take when you do want to go and get a massage. Uh, I remember um, starting to use Lotox products and then going to get a, a massage in one of those little massage places near home and um and they used uh, a very well-known brand baby oil shall we say and uh my skin burned like it was like I detoxed myself and then using something that was petroleum based on my back for half an hour non-stop was just horrific so it's um it's a really great thing to have one or two and treat yourself to a massage a few times a year if you can because that's such a wonderful way to de-stress and look after yourself and um and I would capitalize on the fact that these body oils have this beautiful pump have this fantastic price for us this month at 20% off go check it out as well as anything else in the range the echinacea thuja for anyone moving into winter like we are now complex is brilliant for your immune system and even able to be taken at a very teeny tiny baby dose um, as well, which is wonderful uh, if you need a natural um, immune booster if you're struggling with the winter blues. So um, 
Actually, the last fact, because I love this too, is that the the glass bottles themselves are made from 85% recycled glass. So they're not even using new glass to manufacture them. How cool is that? So many wonderful things happening. So much attention to detail with these pioneering brands to keep reforming, keep doing better, keep closing the loop on production. Um, it's just always so inspiring. So enjoy that offer this whole month. And enjoy the chat with Ellen. I hope you, um, I hope you get a lot out of it or share it with parents who will. Thanks guys. Dr. Ellen App Thomas, how are you? Very well. Thank you very much for having me. I am really excited about the chat that's going to unfold. And it's, it's one of those chats where it's, it's not light and it's not easy to hear some of the things that we're going to talk about. But the sooner we do hear them and the sooner we do get our heads around what's going on with our little people as they grow, um, the sooner we can actually change habits, culture, whatever we need to change to, um, to work on this. And the topic of today is precocious puberty. And this is one that actually the audience told me that you guys out there wanted to hear about because of personal struggles in your own lives with your own children or hearing about friends with children going into puberty too early. And I really think it's super important that we address this. So I thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk us through everything you know. That is an absolute pleasure, Alex. Thank you. Um, now, how did you decide, let's start here, that integrative medicine was the style of medicine you wanted to practice? Obviously, you trained as a GP. Where did you go from there? I thought that medicine and medical training would teach me how to fix everything. Mm-hmm. As a very naive 17-year-old student going in, wide-eyed and you know believing everything. And while conventional medicine gave a huge amount of knowledge about treating acute conditions and keeping people alive and obviously surgical processes and and medication when it's required. It never gave me the tools to actually understand or correct the true cause of why diseases occur. And that was that was my driving passion. So when I came out of medical school, I went, great, that's obviously a lot of knowledge that I do need, but I need to educate myself about what I felt was the gap. And that was where the integrative medical training came in. Okay, cool. And um, uh, in terms of uh, kids and hormones, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of places we could start, but I'm just going to start with a really basic question. Mm-hmm. Starting with little girls, what is supposed to be happening hormonally in little girls aged 6 to 10 in that lead up to puberty? The reality is at a hormonal level, at a fertility hormone level, there's absolutely nothing that is meant to be occurring. The official uh, proper age, for want of a better word, of puberty, which is the beginning of breast development, is 11 years of age. Right. And in boys? In boys, it's 12. Okay. So... Houston, mm-hmm. we have a problem, yep. don't we? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and the statistics are very different to that, aren't they? So, yes. Yeah, so talk us through what you know statistically. So there's there's been a progression in currently right now, and this is America accumulating huge amounts of data, that yeah. 16% of girls are entering puberty by the age of seven and 30% by the age of eight. So the formal definition of when is puberty starting too early is girls starting before eight and boys starting before before nine. 
So what are some of the signs that our little person might be actually dealing with uh, precocious puberty? Um, Well, at a physical level, the first sign for girls is the beginning of breast buds, you know, where you actually start feeling the glandular tissue form under the nipple. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a slow progression then of enlarging breast tissue and then there's the development of pubic hair and then underarm hair. uh, And then there, there can be changes then in skin, more the greasy skin, the pimples coming on. Um, the body odour can change. They're, they're the early changes. So there's hormones are, are tricky because there's the more the uh, male androgen form. So you can have both male and female kids where they're starting to get the hair growth, the skin changes and the body odour, but there's no breast development or testicular enlargement. So we would in fact actually say that that itself isn't puberty, it's still a hormonal problem and it's it's a different type of imbalance and a lot of people think that's puberty but that's actually just a hormonal build-up of what we call weak androgens actually coming from the adrenal glands. Right. And mm. um, in, in terms of, uh, it's funny you mentioned BO there and I'm just going to share a little story. I was chatting to a friend, I was visiting her in Los Angeles a couple of years ago and her six-year-old had started coming home with B.O. And she's, you know, giving her a hug at the end mm. of the day going, what on earth? Yes, <laughs> this, yes. this is not, you know, you know uh, unpleasant smell aside, it was more mm-hmm. of a what is going on with my six-year-old? This is not yep. supposed to be happening yet. Uh, we yes. were going to have the deodorant chat subtly at the age of 12 <laughs> and, sweetie, yep. you might want to think about this. But mm-hmm. six she was and um, and so she did a bit of investigating and they don't drink um, cow's milk at home but at school they serve it obviously with the school lunch program and yes. we're having huge big cartons of um, uh, cow's milk every day. And obviously in the US, unfortunately, there are hormones used in a lot of the dairy processes and and she was able to pinpoint it to that and got the child to have water instead of cow's milk and said, I'll make you a yummy smoothie when you get home, you know, had to bribe her out of having it because she was enjoying it. And um, and the BO went away. So is that an example just, you know, of you talking about those androgen imbalances, things being caused that aren't necessarily puberty but are often linked to a sign of puberty? Well, yes. So I think, and this is where the topic does get a bit, a bit, you know, confusing. Yeah. But clearly there was a hormonal trigger for that girl coming from what was in the milk. Yeah. And and this is where there are all these hormonal, hormonally active artificial substances in our environment now, which are very scary, and our bodies were never designed to have those things in them. Mm. So. That, that is separate. We would say, yes, there's a hormonal effect here, but when you get back to what actually exactly is puberty, that is breast development and testicular enlargement. Okay, right. Gotcha. So um, so that that's, can be encouraging then if you see some of the other signs, the, the broader list that you mentioned at the start, that yeah. could actually be worked on and sorted out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's the... the There can be situations, though, where the trigger for puberty is that communication between our 
brain, the hypothalamus, the pituitary, which is another gland in our brain, and then that sends a signal down to um, our ovaries and our, and our testicles. That communication can actually get switched on early mm-hmm. if that is exposed to a hormonal trigger that otherwise shouldn't be there. And that can even be our thyroid hormones can wow. actually trigger. So this is where sometimes you see with patients that actually got an underactive thyroid problem through other causes. The brain hormone that triggers the thyroid hormonal production can actually then trigger the puberty switch. Now that and that doesn't always get turned off. And this is the scary thing with what's interfered with the whole hormonal feedback. So what we know with let's say that that six year old girl, you know, there was obviously a hormonal trigger there. Yeah. That had the potential for then triggering her own brain puberty switches that potentially then may not get turned off. Right. So this is where it's really early to be as vigilant as you can be and to make changes as early as possible. Right. And so let's go into some of those changes. What are some of the other factors that that you've seen as you've interviewed um, your patients, you know, dealing with this issue in their families? Um, what are you seeing some of the real triggers? You know, you, you start asking them about their home, what they surround themselves yep. with, what products yep. they put on. Yeah. What are you seeing over and over again? Well, look, I think, I think also what you've got to keep in the back of your mind is there can be some scary diseases that do cause puberty to come on early as well. So I don't want people to think that it's only, you know, a an environmental issue. Yes. That and it's it's more unusual for boys. So if you've got a boy that is you know less than nine and he is showing signs of testicular enlargement or um, hair growth, then you really do need to get to get them checked and girls certainly before seven or eight. So it's it's more normal to see it in girls. Well, as in most of our disruptive environment and the chemicals and what's going on with our environment is estrogen based. Mm-hmm. So that estrogen can trigger that early breast development. Yeah. Um, but so I, I suppose I just want to keep in the back of your mind that if you are worried, it is probably worth getting a proper medical check yeah. first. And these can be blood levels, blood tests, and sometimes you actually got to look at you know brain scans and, and you know if your child has any other illnesses. So there's hormonal signals, signals that keep puberty signals turned off. So yeah. there's these inhibitory signals that stop it coming on too early. And that can get disrupted if there's any kind of major stress. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that kids that are born smaller for gestational age than they should be at birth yeah. tend to have earlier puberty. Um, you know, yeah, if kids had yeah, had a brain injury some point along, you know, a big nasty head knock or heaven forbid, you know, there can be tumors and things like that in the brain. I'm not wanting to alarm your listeners, but it's mm. just something to say, look, those causes are rare, but that's when you go, look, might be worth just a quick, you know, GP checkup, quick mm. physical, quick blood test. I'm a big know. fan of the freak out rule out. <laughs> well, you know, I just think you've got to, you've got to err on the side of caution. Now, yeah. the, the, the chances of there being anything concerning are very low, mm. but it's just worth you know thinking, keeping that in the back of your mind. Yeah. But but the big things, the normal stuff is genetically, you can have puberty come on early in certain family. Okay. Family. So you want to know, mum, dad, right? 
when did it happen for you? Um, men normally can't remember anything, but it's often a matter of walking away. When did you have when did you have a growth spurt? You know, were you generally taller or shorter than kids in your class when you were growing up? Um, most most mums can remember, you know, either the breast development or when they got their period. Yeah. Um, God, I definitely remember mine. It was in dance uh, class on a Thursday oh afternoon. Oh my lord! I tell you, <laughs> these men get off scot free. Really, oh, they don't really they? do. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other big thing then is is nutrition yeah. and food. So, um, you know, when we look at why do we think this is all happening earlier across the average, you know, Western world, and we think that it's due to food as in poor nutrition you know poor actual levels of vitamins and minerals in our in our food too many insulin triggering foods so too many highly refined foods Mm -hmm. and they affect hormones like insulin and leptin and estrogen production yeah then there's the actual animal protein intake so that and that example was really good you know that you gave of the six-year-old that Mm -hmm. that was what seemed to trigger an increase in puberty coming on earlier. So in the early 1900s, so puberty became shorter by about the 1950s, and that was when we started eating more animal protein. Oh, right. Yeah, when we did start putting on a little bit more fat Mm -hmm. across the board. So we know that that subcutaneous fat layer on us does have hormonal hormonally triggering responses and that's leptin is a specific one it's like you know if, if people stay very very thin you know you look at athletes that get very thin or or you know when when people do lose weight their periods tend to stop and that's the body recognizing that sort of a leptin signal and an estrogen signal that either the body's not ready for fertility or so there's suddenly hormone changes when you hit that set body mass index Mm -hmm. um we know that a reduction of vegetable matter and vegetable protein specifically can interfere with puberty so the more meat and the less vegetables you eat the earlier it seems to come on okay um and then of course the other big thing is the, the chemicals you know in our environment and you know, there was this huge awareness of what was in baby bottles. Remember that a yes. couple of years ago, this, um, uh, the um, BPA product, mm. which is actually the number seven. If you look at your recycling number, yeah, um, that's when you know whether it's in the, the plastics. And it's the highest produced chemical in the world, this bisphenol A. Yeah. And it has these, these hormonal properties. You know, it has estrogenic type properties. And it's, it leaches out when the plastics are warmed or if they're washed and they unfortunately line in tins. Um, so they're, they're everywhere. You know, it's actually really hard to avoid it. Mm. Um, the other one of the phthalates, that's, that's number three on that little recycling picture. Yes, the diethyl, uh, diethylene phthalate, I think it is. Yes, yeah. that's mm. the one. And mm. that makes that makes plastic softer. Yes. So we actually know that, yeah, the more squishy, the softer the plastic, the more... Squishy and sticky. Yeah. You're bad, very bad, exactly. Mm. Um, and that leaches out. And the other terrifying thing is that that's, that actually concentrates in our own bodies and especially as women, that is really scary. So any of these things that we have been exposed to in our lifetime... Mm we will accumulate in our fatty tissues. Mm-hmm. You know, we never really designed to have those things in us and so they don't get out very well. Yeah. 
when we then get pregnant, our bodies look at our baby as a place to dump as much rubbish as it possibly can. Well, so because we, we weren't actually, dumping rubbish before, were we? We were dumping no. precious resource. <laughs> so then our bodies will remove as much of the plastics and as much of the rubbish and the chemicals and we will put it into our developing baby. Crazy. And that's often why we find that that eldest-born child can tend to be the most you know, toxic, if you like, for want mm. of a better expression, with what their little bodies uh, have absorbed. And then, of course, then the cycle goes on because our environment is getting more and more toxic day by day. Yeah, wow. So especially for the baby boomers, um, having babies in the 70s and late 70s, when all of these plastics were highly unregulated, everyone was excited, it was new, we were all Absolutely. using it, and then through the 80s, all the microwaving with the plastics. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, wow. Mm. It's scary. It's scary what we've done to ourselves. Yeah, it really is. Mm. So um, you mentioned uh, the meat and vegetable ratio. So that really stands to reason that we should go – Back to thinking about assessing the quality of the meat we're eating, making sure it's regenerative, ethical, and instead of balking at the price and buying the same quantity, halve the meat, double the veg. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you want to make that meat hormone-free. Yes. Um, and Sorry. in Australia, that's relatively easy to do because we have far tighter regulations and transparency. But in America, it seems a little bit trickier. So really, the, the key for me, and if you want to go back, I think it was show number six where I interviewed um, the wonderful Californian regenerative farmer, uh, Paul Grieve from Primal Pastures. Uh, I've also interviewed uh, Joe Roebuck from um, New Zealand. And uh, then we've got a whole bunch of information on the blog, which I'll put in the show notes to really understand where your meat comes from, what questions you need to ask either your butcher or straight to the farmer if you're going to a farmer's market. And it's really actually quite easy to do. You've got to find your people and then stick to them and give them your money so we can grow good businesses if we're omnivores and, um, and do include meat in our diets. Absolutely. And then, of course, I've got to put a plug for um, organic vegetables as well. Yes. Because the scary thing is the pesticides that we're using have these hormonally dysregulating, disrupting properties. I mean, the entire reason for the pesticide is to stop the reproductive cycle of the insect. Yeah. And, of course, the plants absorb it. Washing is not enough. You know, it's actually integrated into the tissue of the plant. And mm. so eating... Lots and lots of vegetables and fruit that do have pesticide residue in them um, do, in fact, have a, a build-up effect. It's not as high as the residue in meat because they don't have the same level of fat that accumulates the, um, the toxins as easily, but it's still present. Yes. I mean, yeah, you can wash a certain amount of residue off, but you are just dealing with the residue that's on the outside. And yeah, as you right. said, it's in the tissue. It's kind of like us yeah. thinking, oh, I had a shower, so I don't have any BPA. Yep. <laughs> it's just yep. not. Exactly. It's not <laughs> going to happen, unfortunately. So organic wherever we can, join co-ops and, um, and, you know, at least get to know farmers who are either in transition or at least not using pesticides and doing some really good companion planting to avoid pests. Um, sometimes, you know, really little guys can't afford the certification yet because it's quite expensive. So, again, it just comes down to knowing your farmer. Mm. Yes. Um, now, uh, you mentioned, you sort of um, spoke to this briefly before, but I'd love to... Um, just revisit this, given the brain starts the process of puberty and then into the pituitary, then the sex hormone production, then the physical signs, is it too late once we see the signs or can it be halted if we make changes? The 
there are two arms to that. Mm-hmm. The, the big thing that occurs is how quickly is that puberty progressing? You know, how quickly are you moving through the stages of breast tissue enlargement and yeah. then testicular enlargement? Because the other big thing that it affects is growth. Yeah. And what we know is that by the time a girl has her period, no matter what age she is, she's only got, on average, another five centimetres of growth. Wow. So if if that comes on too early, she will be stunted. Mm. And and similar for boys as well. So the the oestrogen is what stimulates the growth. Yeah. And you can actually measure that. So you can go and do a wrist and hand x-ray and that shows you are you at the bone age that you're meant to be and how fused are the growth plates and therefore what height do they think you're going to end up as Mm. at the end. And then you do averages of, okay, what's your mum, what's your dad, you know, therefore what should you be with your height. So... Not to mention, of course, you know, these poor little people who are developing physically earlier ahead of their time and the psychological anxiety that can go along with that. Oh, absolutely. You know, and so, yeah, just because you're getting physical maturity doesn't mean you're getting the emotional, mental maturity. That means that you can handle that. And we do know that kids that have this early puberty do, in fact, have sexual relationships sooner than others and they do have more drug and alcohol abuse and they do have more psychological issues. So yeah. a lot of a lot of it is is about severity. Um, so the getting actually back to answering your real question, Alex, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. There. Um, once that brain trigger has commenced, it depends what it was. So if your trigger is... A chemical, mm-hmm. a biochemical, a chemical from the environment, then and you catch it early, it should, there's no absolute yes or no, but it should slow down or switch back off again. And these things can be measured in blood tests. Right. Um, with a with a hormone panel or yes, yes, yes correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if you're very worried, there's actually a medication that can be used. Now, of course, that's not for everybody and it would depend very much on growth and intensity and the the rapidity and, of course, how young the child was. Um, So, and, And that's, of course, going to an extreme level, but that medication, in fact, can turn off the brain production mm-hmm. of the hormone-releasing uh, triggers and then can be and basically has a three-month effect so this is an injection that's given every 12 weeks and when that's halted then puberty goes back to its normal timing right wow isn't our culture fascinating let's just produce all these chemicals not knowing how yes. they're going to work synergistically Absolutely. or singly in the short or long term and Absolutely. then it's okay we'll come up with a pill if it stuffs things up <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's quite it's quite resourceful in some, you know, <laughs> twisted way. <laughs> That's crazy. But, but I think see, it depends on how easily it is to find the problem. Mm. You know, and, and this is the harsh reality. If you know, and, and this is where I look after a lot of patients who their parents grew up on farms and some of them were even used as the marker at the end of the row so that the crop dusters knew where they were actually coming and spraying. So oh these kids gosh. were standing, yep, 
week after week after week, and they're just absolutely being um, covered from head to toe in all of these pesticides. Mm. And then they go on and they wonder why their bodies don't work quite so well and they have their children that are then hormonally disrupted. Now, we're not going to fix that overnight. And so then you're looking at, well, what's the greater evil there? And sometimes you you do need to potentially look at at a medication while you are balancing, you know, and getting back. Absolutely. I mean, there's no judgment here. I mean, this is why the, why modern medicine exists to really help in these acute situations. And, uh, and I can't pretend that if that was happening for me, my little man, that I wouldn't mm. be considering the same thing, especially when you talk about stunted growth, social implications, and all mm. those sorts of things. If you can, if you can better the clinical outcome, then sure, sometimes yeah. it's important to explore that. Um, but you mentioned um, greater amounts of drug and alcohol abuse, mm. um, and I just for anyone listening who's going through it now, and then now all of a sudden picturing the sixteen-year-old they're going to have in a few years, and it being a huge issue. Is that more to do with um, not having supported or quite realised just how significant it is to go through puberty earlier than your peers? And um, can we therefore support our kids who do go through this earlier more? Um, and how would we go about that to ensure or to at least mitigate the, the possibility of that statistic unfolding? Oh, look, of course. I mean, everything is about whether emotionally you feel understood and you feel heard and you have um, knowledge you know, and support behind you. I think with a lot of children, there, there's, of course, sexual education at school, but it doesn't really go into the depths and, and it doesn't mean as much to the kids to hear it from a teacher as it does to hear it from people that they know love them you know, mm. and will support them. So I think once they understand the process and they understand that, Yes, they are going through it earlier, but everyone else is going to go through it eventually. That yeah. This isn't them signaled out. Um, and then it's a matter of, you know, to my mind, dealing with mental health is just another piece of the pie. You know, so you'll find that kids that are incredibly supported and understand and have been explained the whole process of what's occurring and that there's good and bad in everything that occurs in the world, then if they get puberty that comes on earlier, they will cope and they'll do very, very well. But you get your kids that are already not coping and they're already a lot of anxiety or there's already already poor nutrition or other things that are interfering with brain processing, that they're the ones, of course, that, that we worry about. Yeah. Um, and in terms of, um, like, if you could pinpoint for us the, the, the two or three biggest factors you feel people need to be aware of and possibly change to uh, delay puberty back towards the normal ages that they should occur, which I think you said it was 11 in girls and 12 in boys. Yes. Um, what, what, what do you see as the biggest factors well something we haven't talked about is actually exercise oh okay and we know that kids that are less active do it changes their melatonin production in their brain and that it decreases melatonin and that can then bring on puberty wow so given we've become a lot more sedentary couch potato ipad generation <laughs> yeah that could have a huge um part to play in all these kids Absolutely. developing earlier 
Interesting. And of course, it doesn't matter what research you look at, exercise is the biggest factor involved in managing all mental health issues anyway. Yeah. So that, you know, probably if I had to pick number one, I'd say, look, as parents, you know, exercise with your children. Um, you know, it's part of endorphin production. It's actually part of how it triggers detoxification pathway in, in the body as well. So none of us have got off scot-free. You know, every single one of us have been exposed to some degree by these hormonally disruptive chemicals mm-hmm. and you want to do everything you can to get as much rubbish out as you can. So the – and the sweat is a big is a big um, uh, pathway. Yeah. That the body cleans itself out. So the exercising and then not only then you've got the family bonding, you know, the emotional cohesion. Absolutely. That, you yeah. know, plus, you know, the very nice hormonally balancing effects of it. So exercise for me would probably be number one. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would be looking at – we getting back to the food, getting the ratios better balanced. So cutting back the meat a little bit, increasing the vegetables. In the vegetables, you're going to get a lot of your nutrition that's involved in helping your body to balance whatever is already out of whack. So we know that zinc is crucial, um, selenium is crucial. These things have detoxification properties and anti-inflammatory properties and hormonally balancing properties. Mm -hmm. So some people say, look, I really can't stop my children eating a bit of rubbish. And I go, rightio, well, let's just focus focus on increasing the nutrient-dense foods that you are around with them with so that you can then just change the ratios a bit yeah and something like selenium i mean you could just swap out some almond meal in a recipe and do half half almond half brazil nut and then you'd be packing it with selenium and um, making a delicious biscuit you know there's not many kids that are not back a bicky and meanwhile they're getting (laughs) an essential mineral so it's great And in terms of zinc, is that something given um, so many kids don't do so well on um, certain foods and then we worry about deficiencies in that sense? Where can we get our zinc from if, um, I mean, supplementation's fine as well, but um, I'd, I'd be keen to see your thoughts on what you recommend. Sure. Look, I mean, typically zinc does come from animal protein. Mm. Um, and so, of course, you want to make sure that, yes, they are getting a little bit of animal protein if that's what your food beliefs you know, are, um, and, of course, the hormonally-free meat. Um, but there is quite a bit of zinc in your, in your seeds, you know, in your sunflower seeds, your pumpkin seeds, um, your almonds and your cashews. So those forms of um, vegetarian proteins yeah. would be good to look at increasing. Fantastic. I, you know, for a lot of people, by the time they've come in to see me, I do put a lot of people on supplements only because their bodies are out of balance enough to warrant in a medical um, a clinical dose yeah yeah correct so um and i do find that that zinc deficiency is um a very big problem yeah um and is that because people's copper gets too high and it's also about the imbalance between those two yes look the Oestrogen, one of the properties of oestrogen is meant to be copper retention. And we we do need some copper to function normally. So everything about minerals is often about ratios. So when we're pregnant, we are meant to fill our beautiful baby's liver with some copper. And then we're meant to give them huge amounts of zinc through our breast milk when we breastfeed. So 
but estrogen, the property of estrogen is to retain copper. So because we have so many of these estrogenic compounds in our environment, mm. yeah, the plastics and you know, everything that we've talked about, um, we are becoming very copper toxic and copper is a very inflammatory mineral. Yeah, wow. Okay, so that's definitely one to go and pop off and see the doctor or naturopath on and get, get the testing you need if you if you think that there might be an imbalance. Um, but just to help people on that topic, because uh, it's an important one and it's come up again and again, uh, what signs are you seeing in imbalances there? When you say copper toxic, you say yeah, inflammation, yeah. what yes. else can we look for in our children? Um, the big thing is copper is quite histamine triggering. Yeah. Um, so any of those sort of subtle allergies, I mean, it's, not, you know, it's, it's of course becoming so common as well now, um, but we do know that it can increase the risk of, of rashes and a bit of dermatitis, and because it opposes zinc, you know, they, they directly compete, then you start getting these zinc deficient symptoms, which are more that weakening of your immune system, where, you know, kids are just getting sick way more often than you think they should be mm. you know, and it's quite normal you know for some of us obviously we get sick occasionally but mm. yeah of course i mean getting sick is actually a way of our immune system starting to work properly so there's mm. there's nothing wrong with the odd sickness it's more about the the frequency and severity um over mm. and over again and as mm. you say it's just allergies they're starting to be so common and mm. instead of looking at why and looking at things like zinc copper imbalance where hitting the claritine at the age of two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just yes. not, we don't need to do that. Yeah. 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 Now of course there can be, you know, a huge amount of other triggers, you know, to do with, with allergies as well. Um, but the, the other big thing is you can feel pretty on edge mm. when your copper zinc ratios are out of whack. Oh, okay. Um, and this is where you just go, Oh, you know, I'm just sort of feeling a bit cranky or and it's very common for women to feel it after they've been pregnant that during pregnancy they've accumulated huge amounts of copper and they've gone, you know what, I've just never quite been the same after my pregnancies than I was before, you know, especially emotionally or a bit less calm or a bit less tolerant. I mean, there's obviously lots of other things. <laughs> obviously as children well. as a factor there. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we, we do find, and unfortunately as conventional medical doctors, we're not taught anything about this. So this is where if people go down to their GP that's only trained conventionally, they're going to have no idea what they're talking about. Mm. Um, so it is difficult for people to get help now. There's a lot of information on, on the internet. I use a lot of hair mineral analyses. Um, yeah. We tend to find that it, it's not – there are blood levels of copper and zinc and they can give an indication, um, but we find that the hair mineral analysis testing um, will give you another degree of information as well. Okay, cool. And um, so you mentioned exercise nutrition. What's your third big one? Is it the environmental toxin piece, products and um, pesticides? Well, no, I kind of wrapped that up into food because okay. we get on to my next big big one that I think is important, which is gut probiotics. Yes, okay. So in the, the way our body cleans things up is we will move things out of our cell or put them into our bloodstream and then they will get circulated specifically through the liver mm-hmm. and the liver will then chemically alter it and then put it into our bile and then we will put that bile into our intestine hoping that we're then just going to pull it out. Yeah. If we don't have enough good bacteria in our intestine, so if our proportion of good guys to bad guys in there is out of whack, 
we will in fact reabsorb a lot of the toxins that our liver has already done the hard work to biochemically change, we will reabsorb that back into our bloodstream. So we can reabsorb a lot of this rubbish that and of these hormonally uh, irritating chemicals um, and they just get recirculated. Mm. So a, a good form of probiotic is crucial. There's lots of different forms out there. Um, I my One of my favourites is a fermented papaya probiotic because it has not only probiotics but digestive enzymes and it has immune uh, balancing properties for the uh, intestine and the immune system, the lymphatic immune system in the intestine as well. So there's a lot that goes on in the intestine and that's probably 10 podcasts all in time. Yeah. But, um, but that, that, that's a big one. And, I mean, I suppose I look at getting chemicals out of the environment as, as you know, an obvious one and I put that almost into that food category. You know, what are we putting in? What are we being exposed to? You know, make it clean, get that right. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to start helping your body clear out what's already been absorbed Mm. and um i guess back to normal puberty or or even if it is going to come on a little bit early uh depending on um i mean uh, we've spoken about so much but i'd love to just hear your thoughts on how we can best prepare our bodies our little people's bodies um to minimize things like all the symptoms, you know, we know the symptoms, the greasy skin, the greasy hair all of a sudden, the pimples, mm. mood mm. swing craziness, which isn't great for mm. the kids or the parents. Um, <laughs> and I know yeah. you've got a 13-year-old girl, so I'm sure you've, um, yep. you've just moved yep. through this with, um, yep. with them. But, yes. um, but what can we – are there any tips that you have to help us help them in the lead-up? Look, I – I like children to have things explained. You know, mm. they they I'm need so to glad understand. You said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and of course, it's all got to be explained at a level wherever they're at. Yeah. Um, and then they feel supported, um, and I think they feel calmer within that process of change, and things aren't as much of a shock for them. Yeah. And then they will communicate their concerns with you better. You know, what we think is upsetting our children may be very different to what actually is or the the actual specific way that they're seeing their changes might be different to what we think the way Mm. they're seeing their changes are, if that makes sense. So it's having that really good open line of communication going is crucial. Yeah. And did you feel, uh, if I can ask you a personal question (laughs) right here on the spot in front of everybody. Sure. (laughs) Did you feel like you've you've done that well with your thirteen year old? How did you how did you do it? Did uh, uh, is have, she volunteering a lot of information about how she's feeling? I have three daughters. Wowza! And yep. okay. there's not enough oxygen. I don't think in our house. <laughs> Everyone is just communicating all the time about absolutely <laughs> everything, um, which. <laughs> which I think is actually being a very big blessing. And then if I don't communicate it, I can be assured that my 10-year-old will communicate it to my eldest daughter as well. So it's, it, it, it really is. It's about feeling comfortable. It's about knowing they know that they can say whatever they want to say to you and you're going to deal with it. Right, yeah. And there are times when I've been told things and I've 
had a very different thought going on in the back of my brain that I've actually got on the expression on my face, and I'm just going, don't react, don't react. Okay, right, <laughs> we just we're nearly that good. At least, at least I now know what's going on, and we need to have a conversation about it. Um, look, I think a lot of the knowledge of chemicals and um, is becoming greater and greater. I mean, I was very, very lucky that I was in this job when I had her and that I was aware, you know, of, of all of this. Um, and so I was lucky that she didn't get exposed to mm. any more plastics than, you know, than I could possibly prevent. You know, I mean, when the baby bottle thing came out, there were a lot of parents that were very, very upset and very shocked and, and quite rightly so, you know, when they realised there was the bisphenol A, you know, in their baby bottles and they'd been heating them up and heating them up in the microwave and, and essentially, you know, putting all this stuff into their babies. Mm. So, and, and it's, and I don't want any parent out there to feel, you know, guilty or bad. And I think, I think there's enough parental guilt going oh, on. Absolutely. We can't you know, know I mean, what we didn't know. No, I used no. to microwave eggs, for God's sakes, when mm. I was a teenager yeah. Yeah. from my yeah. special Phillips <laughs> microwave cookbook, you know, felt very clever. So we, we, everyone is just operating from the sphere in which of the, of the current knowledge that they have and it's about getting excited about what you learn so that you can change it and feel great about that. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, look, I, I just think that, um, I, look, the, the trick is don't beat yourself up and communicate and then you know, go and get assessed, you know, with wherever things are at now. Um, and the I am constantly elated with the powers of rejuvenation and healing, you know, of the human body. And, uh, look, I, and I just see um, people's health turn around very, very quickly, you know, whenever an imbalance is understood, you know, and then given what it needs to. Mm. Now, in terms of action steps, let's just say mm. people out there have a five, six, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, and they're thinking, I want to know where we're at and I want to know, catch any of these imbalances now. What are a couple of clinical tests that you recommend we can we can get done to assess the current picture? Look, I think a bit of it is the tests may not be necessary. Okay, great. I think it's, I think it's a matter of um, go and, and talk to a, a professional, you know, who is trained in, in assessing hormones. Mm-hmm. If there is no breast changes okay mm-hmm. so if there's no palpable breast tissue behind the breast you know behind the nipple or there's no testicular enlargement mm-hmm. and this is you know this there's, there's you know, um, measurements you know that the the testes are meant to be less than 2.5 centimeters long you know if everyone wants a direct you know exact mm-hmm. measurement so if that is not occurring then there normally is no need for tests i mean there's the concerning medical things that I did briefly talk about before, which again are uncommon, but these are things like suddenly children being um, very thirsty or having horrific headaches or vomiting in the morning or, you know, so if there are scary signs like that, mm-hmm. then absolutely you need to go to you know a doctor and you need to get blood tests and a, and a brain scan and those sort of things. Yeah. If, however, you don't get the physical changes, the breast changes or the testicular changes, then there normally isn't any need for tests. Mm-hmm. If, however, though, there's suddenly, and this is where you know, hormones are, are tricky, but let's say there was huge amounts of BO or the the acne, you know, the, the greasy skin or the hair, mm-hmm. um, so let's say you know, pubic hair or, or auxiliary hair, then 
sometimes you do need to do a blood test or DHEA, which is an adrenal hormone that has um, androgen properties, you know, Mm -hmm. more male-oriented properties. Um, And there's there's a couple of other interesting illnesses, um, congenital adrenal hyperplasia that can affect cortisol levels and, and can push that adrenal hormone up. So these kids at a very early age get more those virilizing, those male orientated symptoms. So that that would then be a blood test. Mm. But look, I, I think, and again, if you've got the early breast tissue or you do have the testicular tissue, then you can get things like FSH and LH and they're the hormones produced by the pituitary and you can get estrogen and testosterone levels measured. And But, you know, I, I do tend to find that sometimes we worry unnecessarily yes. as well and um, and I don't like putting children through blood tests or anything that's going to be a bit traumatic to them unless it's absolutely necessary. Mm, absolutely. So th- those are the types of tests that are available you know, if needed. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's um that's a really great window into things to help parents navigate that part of life, uh, whether it's happening early or whether it's even happening on time. So I really, well, really you, appreciate I know it's- it. You're very welcome. Look, I know it's it's a huge you know area, yeah. Um, and and it's you know it's, it's hard. It's, people are very there's a lot of conflicting knowledge out there. I think and, mm. and information. Mm. Yeah. And now, where can we find you and your online resources? I know you have several passions in the integrative space. Yes. So uh, my practice is the medical sanctuary in Vanoa on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a website, which is www.themedicalsanctuary.com.au. Um, and on there, you can find um, my blog and other practitioners that we have here um, and other online references there. Yeah, wonderful. It seems like a great medical community that you've you've built up there. So um, I urge everybody to connect with you via the website uh the show notes have all the details as well uh if you happen to be on the gold coast then you can treat yourself to an in in in-person consultation with a great integrative specialist so that's wonderful um dr ellen app thomas that was such a great chat and i really feel like people are going to feel more literate in that space now and a lot of people are very confused so once again i really appreciate you joining me for the show well thank you so much alex it's lovely to talk to you I hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. And before I sign off, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you that writes a review or leaves a five-star rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you listen to the show. We appreciate it so much. It's the best way you can say thank you because it helps us stay visible and it helps people who haven't listened to the show before but who might come across it in a search think, "Mm, I might give that a go. So I appreciate that and I'm wishing you the best week. Until next week, you can catch us on lowtoxlife.com and if you want to check out those show notes, remember to put forward slash podcast and it'll take you straight there. Otherwise, I'll also see you on Instagram. I'm always posting there. It's a little bit more uh, personal and a look at sort of how I eat and what I do and my dad's pictures of blossoms and whatever else is going on. And that's at Low Tox Life. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.